I want to invite you to open um, your Bibles to the book of First Peter. Um, the book of First Peter, as you guys know, we are walking our way through in these next 12 or so weeks, um, this letter um, that's called First Peter. The Apostle Peter um, writes First Peter. It's one of the what's sometimes called the general epistles of your New Testament. And these are letters written a little later in the first century, and they were written in particular to struggling Christians, um, to Christians who were suffering greatly, to Christians who were pressed on every side with difficulty and pain and sorrow. And he writes to them about this living hope they have in Jesus. And I think it'll be a good word for you and I today as well. Um, We are going to take a look at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. So I'm going to read these verses. You can find them in your worship guide if that is easier for you. And I want to encourage you to listen closely to this God's very word. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in this moment, we acknowledge that we need for you to do, Lord, the thing that only you can do. But we have not come here to hear a guy talk from a platform. But Lord, instead, we have come to hear, Lord, to receive. Lord, to be changed, to be shaped, to be deepened, to be confronted, and to be given great hope in our Lord Jesus. Lord, so in your kindness and your mercy, we ask that you would take these words that I've prepared, these words in your word, by the power of your spirit, would you shine light on them, and we use them to great effect in our hearts and in our souls. Tonight we pray, we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So I want to begin tonight's sermon um, with a question. Now, they actually tell you in preaching class not to begin sermons with questions, but I'm going to, okay? And it's actually a pretty serious question, and I'm going to ask it to you. So when you are pressed, when you are stressed, When you're troubled, are you ever tempted to walk into Hero Donuts and order two apple fritters? Me either. Especially not this past Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Now, I say this as a funny way to actually get into something more serious in your heart. And that is you and I's tendency 
when stressed or troubled, to reach for the wrong things to eat. This is what Peter has in view in this text. He's going to say that his readers, under the stress and pressure of persecution, the difficulties they're facing, they have a tendency to want to reach for malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil, and slander. But instead, he's trying to convince them to eat a different diet, something he's going to call pure spiritual milk. Now, as your pastor, I want to just warn you about what will happen as we look at these words. In these words, we're actually going to be confronted and challenged deeply, and that's supposed to happen. These words, in many ways, are supposed to break us down. But these words will also offer us great hope. And here's the main thing I want you to hear tonight. If, there's, if you don't hear anything else I say, um, this is the main thing. It's that in Christ, different cravings are possible. In Christ, different cravings are now possible. So let's take a look at this. Look at verse one of chapter two. Peter says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and evil and all slander. This first word, put away, it actually is something like this, putting away, while you put away, take them out of your kitchen. The things you naturally want to reach for, remove them. Y'all, I was exploring a new diet and exercise plan, and I was talking to this nutrition coach person, this was somewhat recently, and he told me the first thing we do is we go in your house and we take out almost everything in your pantry. That's what Peter's saying, putting away, taking them aside, removing them from your kitchen. And the things he wants us to remove, did you hear them? Here they are, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. These are like unhealthy foods. These are like bags of potato chips. These are things that you and I naturally want to grab and stuff in our mouths, especially when we're feeling stressed or pressed. These are the things we want to grasp for and take hold of. I thought it'd be helpful to just talk about what each of these words means in the New Testament way of thinking. And I want to try to bring it to our world and tell you what it's meant in my life as I've reflected on these words. And I, and I wonder if you can relate with this. Look at this word malice. One of the things to take aside is malice. Malice in the New Testament sense is this vicious attitude, this, this desire you have to lash out and injure another person with your words, with your actions. It's, it's that moment when your roommate says something to you or this coworker does something to let you down. When your spouse says something and your first instinct is to think of a way with your words to wound them. This week I had a moment where something happened to me and my very first instinct was to try to injure with my words. 
And the person on the other side of that was my eight-year-old son. See, when pressed and stressed, we, we reach for things like malice. And Peter's saying, get it out of your kitchen. Put away all malice, all deceit. In the New Testament sense, this word deceit, deceit, it it has to do with when we stretch the truth or mold the truth, especially to put ourselves in a better light. Y'all, there are times in my own work, and I'm a pastor for crying out loud, where there's, there's things I'm insecure about, about the way I do things or lead. And I'll make a mistake, and I made a mistake recently. And the first thing in my head was to try to lie to somebody about the mistake. And it wasn't going to be like a, a big lie. It was going to be changing and stretching the truth just a bit in order to put myself in a best light so that the people in front of me could think of, could still think I'm great. According to Peter, that's like sticking your, your hand in a bag of potato chips. Put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy. This word hypocrisy in the New Testament sense is this idea of pretending, pretending. Pretending in particular to hide your real intentions. It's a, it's a kind of manipulation. It's, it's when we pretend about a certain thing because we really have a manipulative plan to hide our intentions about something. I was thinking about in our workplaces, often in our relationships, hypocrisy in this sense is rewarded, is it not? Hiding your real intentions, don't let them know about that thing so that you can advance and move and, and change and, and do whatever it is that would make you look better. Peter's saying, take it out of your kitchen. Because this word envy, he says, put away envy. In the New Testament sense, envy is something really dark. Let me see if I can explain it. See, when you see something that someone else has and you want that thing, that's jealousy. But envy in this ancient sense is you see that thing that someone else has and it makes you so frustrated that not only do you want that thing, but you actually wish they didn't have it. I'll just put it this way. There are social media companies. That's entire business model is to try to prey on that tendency in your heart. Apostle Peter says, put it away. All malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all slander. This word slander It's speaking ill of another person. In the New Testament sense, it's speaking ill of another person. It's not just when you, like in American legal terms, when you say something untrue about another person. In the New Testament sense, it's just taking an opportunity to speak ill of another person, just just cuss. And haven't you been there? 
You're, you're in, a, in a conversation and someone's name gets brought up and you just make a cutting comment about that person. You roll your eyes about that person. Why do we, why do we reach for that? Don't we? The Apostle Peter is saying that you and I, when pressed and, and stressed, we have a tendency to reach our hands in these bags of, of horrible foods, of, of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and, and slander. What Peter wants his readers to know and what we should know tonight is that it's destroying us. It's leaving us unhealthy, malnourished. And because I have the responsibility of being your pastor, I can tell you as I talk and hear and listen and attend to and sit with over coffee, you and I in Grace Fellowship, we are eating of these things. I want you to know, I, I recognize it in you because I see it in myself. And Peter wants his audience to know that it is destroying the health of our hearts and our souls. But according to Peter's words here, there is a better way. In Christ, there's something we can do instead. In Christ, new cravings, healthy sustenance is actually possible for you and me, and it's there for the taking. Look at verse 2. So having put away all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, having removed these things from our kitchens, verse two, instead, like newborn infants, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Now this word long is a strong word. In the New Testament sense, it is an intense craving. It's an insatiable appetite. It's a, it's a deep pursuit. It's a deep desire. It's that gotta have it sort of place you find yourselves in. It's, it's even, it has this idea of, of loving and earnestly seeking after. You know, whereas the word lust is when we are that way toward a bad thing, this word is when we're like that toward a good thing, toward a healthy thing. Long, crave, pure, spiritual milk. Now, what does Peter mean when he says pure spiritual milk? Well, it's important to know that he actually means, and this is confusing, okay, if you're a reader of your New Testament. It's confusing because he actually means something opposite of what Paul means when Paul talks about milk, okay? Let me briefly explain. When Paul talks about milk, Paul says, hey, grow up past the milk, mature a little bit, get solid food, start eating something more substantial, what, what, what Peter's saying is, you, you have grown up in some degree to Christ and, and, and return back to the basics. He's saying it's a good thing. 
drink from those things that can actually give you nutrition and sustenance in life. Some of your translations will say something to the effect of crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. And, and when, it's, when it mentions the word there, it really doesn't mean like, like your Bible. Now, now it's really good for you to read your Bible. Okay, hear me say, I want you reading your Bible, okay? But when it talks about the word there, it's talking about the basic truth of the gospel, the word that was proclaimed to you. See, Peter understands that, that naturally you and I will think Christian maturity equals somehow moving on to the somehow deeper things. But Christian maturity, according to Peter, is moving back toward the basic things and drinking of them more deeply. Returning to them. Returning to their sustenance, to their nutritional value again and again and again. Y'all, Mandy and I helped start a program for malnourished children with a group of people in Haiti in 2008. And one thing that we encountered there was because of some voodoo religious traditions and rituals, mothers were, were told and they were convinced by voodoo priests that their breast milk was no good and that they should not feed their children breast milk. Now, now these poor moms had nothing else. So the voodoo priest would tell them to boil water and with the, with the rice water, like the, the, the leftover water that rice has been soaking in, feed that to your child instead. And as a result, babies. I mean, I met a baby who was six months old who weighed eight pounds. They'd become malnourished. And part of the goal was teaching and saying, no, in that milk is everything you need. All the sustenance, all the nutrition, all, everything you need to grow up is there. And that's exactly what Peter's saying. He's saying in these basic truths of your faith, you have everything you need. Look at, as it continues, that you may grow up into salvation. And the command here from Peter is that we crave it. We desire it earnestly. And what I want you to know tonight is in Christ, those kind of cravings are actually possible. The truths of the gospel create us into kinds of people who can crave the right things now. We don't have to reach into that bag of potato chips anymore. And let me really briefly tell you, since we're on the subject of pure spiritual milk, basic truths of the gospel, I want to move on this sermon toward its conclusion by just announcing to you the most basic truths of the gospel. And then I want to show you how they reverse the effects of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander in particular. Okay? Bear with me for a second. Y'all, the God of the universe the one who made the world and everything in it, the one who lit the stars, who created a good world and blessed it and called it good, the one who made men and women in his own image uniquely capable to display his glory in the world. And when those people sin and ruin his good world, this same God goes to work to redeem to redeem the whole entire universe, most especially human beings, sinners like you and me. 
And he makes promises to a people. Those promises travel the length of history and time and space and culture. And all those promises find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. See, this God who made the world and everything in it takes on human skin to enter into you and I's situation, to know what it's like to be us. He walks obediently according to the will of the Father. He, he banishes the power of sin and darkness with a word. He's bringing about and restoring God's kingdom reign. He marches his way to a cross where he gives his life as an atoning death for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. And when he does this, sinners are declared righteous, justified in God's holy courtroom. Sinners like you and me are set aside for his special use. They're sanctified. They're made more like him over and over and over again. He brings these sinners like you and me into union with himself, into friendship with him. So that people like you and me could know his presence, that we could participate in his mission, so that he could satisfy our deepest longings, so that he could give us an anchor in every storm. And this same Jesus has united you to God's people, the church you have a family to belong to. You're being built into living stones we're gonna learn next week. The same Jesus has promised that he will one day return to make all things new and right. Evil and death and darkness and sorrows and sins, we're told, will be no more. You and I will have a resurrected body and a new heavens and new earth, and we will actually see his face. And in that moment, we're told we will not be disappointed. That is the basic truths of the gospel. And listen to the way it reverses the effects of something like malice. See, malice is that desire you have to injure somebody. You're wounded and you want to wound back. When Jesus, we can find healing And our hearts can be healed in such a way. Hearts of stones can be made to hearts of flesh so that we can learn to forgive others even as he has forgiven us. Seeing Jesus, different cravings are possible. And what about this tendency we have to reach for deceit, to make ourselves look better? We have this insecurity and we want to reach for deceit so we can put ourselves in the best possible light. Well, in Christ, you're fully loved all the worth, all the significance that you've ever wanted, you actually already have. You don't have to lie anymore. You can be a person who tells the truth in Christ. New cravings are possible. What about this desire to pretend, to hide your actual intentions, to be hypocritical? What if in this Jesus, you have nothing left to prove anymore? That you're known and you're loved fully and you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Envy. What if in Christ we can have contentment? Slander. What if our mouths can be filled 
with a new song. See, in Jesus, different cravings are possible. Let's pray together. Lord, we do not come to this table on account of our own righteousness. Lord, we crave often the wrong things. We grasp the wrong foods. Lord, in and of ourselves, we're not worthy even for the crumbs of your table. We thank you that you are the same God whose very character it is to have mercy. So thank you that you have made us your own, that you have shed your blood for us, Lord, that you have renewed and restored us and given us peace with you. So Lord, we come in the righteousness of our Lord Jesus. Lord, permit us as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, would you permit our hearts to be nourished, Lord, and our hope to be kindled afresh, we pray. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.